everyone, and welcome to another episode of Crisis to Resilience, a new limited podcast series on the 2020 Network brought to you by Interac. I'm your host, Alex Patterson. Last time on the show, we were joined by the Honorable Mona Forche, and we looked at the personal toll that the pandemic has had on individuals and families, and how you design broad policy responses with a human lens. Today, we're going pure macro with a look at some of the big structural transformations happening in Canada's economy. To help, my guest is Robert Aslan, currently the Senior Vice President at the Business Council of Canada, but also formerly the Director of Policy to Finance Minister Bill Morneau, and not for nothing, but Canada 2020's former Vice President of Research. Robert is a smart and well-respected thought leader in the Canadian policy community. His work, both in and outside of government, has often grappled with the kind of economy we have versus the one that we could build. The Business Council's new economic recovery report is what caught my eye, but in general, this was just a really great opportunity to talk with someone who so very recently was working with the levers of government at their disposal. We talked about everything from getting the infrastructure spend right, how we properly leverage our human capital for the challenge ahead, and how the baggage that Canada brought into this crisis with it is being processed, transformed, and accelerated. It was a great chat. I hope you like it. And joining me on the show, it's Robert Aslan, a Senior Vice President at the Business Council of Canada and a Canada 2020 alumni. Yes, I am. You were uh, our Vice President of Research for uh, a time in 2014. And uh, Robert, it's good to talk to you again. It's good to see you, Alex. Yeah. Are you, uh, how have you been? Are you, are you keeping well? Yeah, it's been an interesting few months, you know, but uh, lots of challenges ahead and uh, good spirits. That's what matters, I think. Absolutely. The, the principal reason you and I are talking today is uh, uh, came across my, my, my LinkedIn feed was your new report out at the Business Council of Canada, Powering a Strong Recovery, an Economic Growth Plan for Canada. Um, I read through it and it is, it's, it's full of, I think, a lot of the things that we have been at Canada 2020 talking about in this series from crisis to resilience. And I want to get to them in a second, but for our listeners that, that may not know you, um, prior to your work at the Business Council of Canada and, and at BlackBerry, uh, you served actually as the director of policy to Bill Morneau. You worked in the Trudeau government. You um, were on the campaign trail. Uh, you have sort of direct inner working knowledge of um, not only how this government thinks, but also just generally um, how uh the finance portfolio uh, is shaped and is moved by world events. Um, so I, I'd be really remiss if I didn't start there and sort of say, like, can you give us a bit of context for the size of the challenge and the scope of the shock that our our system uh, has received continuously over the past eight months? Yeah, that's a good starting point. I, you know, people think about the great financial crisis in 08, and they think about a significant event. This is about as twice as big as it as it was, and in a very uh, compressed time. 
period of time. In other words, you know, bigger, but the effect happened even actually quicker. Uh, so in a, in a you know two three weeks time frame, demand went down, supply went down, and and then you don't actually know what you're dealing with. You know, uh, as opposed of 08, we actually understood uh, the problem in markets, how to solve it. it was not easy, but it required a demand driven kind of response. Um, this time it's like it's a virus. What do we do with this? How long will it last? Uh, what would be the effect? And so it really took, I think, finance officials probably a few months to figure this out. And as we've seen, you know, government move fast. Uh, it was important that they did because people's lives weren't aligned. So, uh, you know, generally, I think in the first few weeks, I give the government a very high mark for what they did. Uh, it was not easy, and I'm happy I wasn't there, to be honest, because uh, <laughs> I, I can only imagine the, the, the so little sleep these people had for, for months, you know? Well, I was, yeah, I, I was going to ask you, because I think that, like, the, the, um, the emergency response mode that our policymakers have uh, had thrust upon them um i think i think we've all been sort of watching like and wondering like well how long does emergency response last and when do you make that pivot and that turn to not only stimulus but long-term recovery and um but what's lost in that and and your your report i think talks about some of those pieces but what's lost in that is that it's the same group of people who's carrying that can forward right so i mean you have direct experience as a as a you know a, a director of policy and working in like the the mental toll on um on this community of people is is not to be underestimated yeah and people don't realize government is big but it's also very small in the sense that people who make decisions are not numerous, you know. There are a few people at the center, obviously, but in something as important as this, and where you need a coordinated approach, uh, there are only so many people in the room. And so, for those people that are in the room making these decisions, you can appreciate how overwhelming this is. Even if they're, you know, well-fed by people on information, what's going on, different, uh, different entry points on data, all that stuff you still have to make those decisions in real time. And so uh, I have a lot of sympathy for everyone who went through this. So let's let's talk a little bit about your report. Um, I'll, I'll start big. Why did the Business Council of Canada um, table this report now? Yeah, that, that's the key question. So a way to see it is before the pandemic, we had structural challenges as a country. The world is changing, Canada's a trading nation, and uh, there were a few key obstacles, I would describe it that way, that were in our way to grow the economy. One of, w one of which is uh, now pretty evident to a lot of people, we're an aging society, and that puts a lot of pressure on labor markets, uh, revenues for government, productivity, you know, uh, to sustain uh, the expenditures that we carry as governments. Uh, there's a lag in business investments in Canada. There's something we've been struggling with for a while. Uh, we have also have uh, had a trade account deficit, the current account deficit, which means that 
we import more than we export. And on the long term, that's kind of problematic for an industrialized nation. And then now, because of COVID, these problems have taken toll and are kind of even more imminent. You can add to this that after the crisis, we'll have spent a lot of our fiscal firepower, uh, and I guess we had no choice to a certain extent to do that, but government injected a lot of money to help people, which means that at the end of the crisis, our fiscal situation will be much worse, obviously, than before. And so uh, the idea before to, to come with this report is say, what's the roadmap to get it out to get us out of this uh, of these problems, of these challenges, and so that we create a sustainable path to recovery, a sustainable path to growth. Because my worry, Alex, is quite simple, is that if we, even if we come out of the crisis okay, in other words, you know, unemployment uh, a gap is not too wide compared to where we were before the crisis, and some sectors come out okay. Um, you know, I, I, I'm worried that we'll have a low period of growth going forward, which has huge impact on people living standards. This is just not a GDP debate, you know. It, it really matters right. on right. how we can prosper as a nation and what kind of services we can pay, uh, you know, we can, um, how we can redistribute the wealth in our country. So, so the, the, the report really attacks and, and propose a roadmap for creating growth going forward. And it has kind of three very simple building blocks. One is people, and we can talk about those. The second is capital, and the third is ideas. That's kind of a, the trust of the, of the paper. Well, let's, we'll go in order because I think it's a, it's structured really well and, and quite clearly let's, let's talk about people. Um, and, uh, to your point about the, the baggage that, you know, Canada brought in to this, this pandemic with itself. Um, one of the things that we often like to think about our ourselves in, in Canada is that it's a great place to live. It's a great place to work. It's a great place to grow. Um, that Canada has a, a, a talent advantage. Mm -hmm. um, what, but what, what underpins that talent advantage and, and is it real and resilient through this crisis? It, it is absolutely real. It's one of the biggest asset, biggest strength that we have. And in my view, it's related to two policy outcomes that we've done well over the last years. The first is we have one of the best post-secondary attainment rate in the G7, which means we're a very educated workforce. Uh, and the second is, and I think we should be very proud of that, is we have a very successful immigration system that allows Canada to bring a lot of talent from outside, skilled immigrants, and people who are able, once they come here, to have economic mobility and social mobility which obviously doesn't happen in every country. So those are very two strong kind of building blocks. But then we have some challenges with people. We, we uh, have some groups, uh, women, I think being the most important one, that are not participating in the labor force because there are structural challenges, one of which I think has been talked about a lot is childcare. 
so we need to address that in a very significant way. And then obviously there's indigenous uh, uh, people that have uh, need help, need uh, you know uh, resources to get more education. And I think the government has signaled that it's willing to do that. Um, and you know racialized Canadians and also uh, disabled Canadians. So we have to make sure that everyone that can work uh, is able to do and achieve its full potential. The other thing is I think we need to double down on immigration. We do that well, so we should increase our numbers as the government just announced a few days ago. I think that was great public policy by the government. Uh, this is something that could really help build our productive capacity in economic term uh, going forward. And then the third piece on people, Alex, which is really key, is that this pandemic will have a huge effect on the labor market. It will change a lot of um, sectors, obviously, that went through this pandemic and were sev severely disrupted. So what that means is you're gonna have to reskill, retrain a lot of people. And this is not something we have done well in Canada, to be honest. So I feel this is a public policy priority that needs to be addressed. It's always tricky in Canada who does what, you know, federal, provincial, but this is a national issue that needs to be addressed. And I'm hopeful that governments will work together to bring some boldness, some purpose to this, because I think it will be con very consequential. It, it, I mean, you're so right. I mean, I recall when we were working together at Canada 2020 um, and piecing together the the components of the the book that you helped publish with with the organization. Um I recall us talking about skills training of like, this is a persistent issue, but we really got to solve it. And here we are six years later, it's still a persistent issue. Um, and so I, I'm, and maybe this will, this will sort of dovetail nicely with your next section on, on uh, capital um, and productivity. I mean, you want to talk about, <laughs> you want to talk about chronic issues for Canada. Yeah. It doesn't get more chronic than, than our productivity lagging. So I, you know, expand on that a little bit. So the, the idea we had in the paper is to say, what are the four or five things that we think could unlock business investment or help uh, you know, private capital flow into Canada, both foreign investment, but all, obviously domestic investments from our entrepreneurs and companies and businesses. And I think these things have been uh, studied quite a bit, but for some reason, they're still hanging over there. Uh, so infrastructure, I think the money's there, but we still haven't got, uh, and, and I'm hoping the bank, the, the infrastructure bank will get to this. I'm hopeful it will, but get to a way to leverage private capital and really get big project going and enhancing productivity projects. I mean, water treatment, community centers are awesome and important and great, but we need to think big when we think about infrastructure. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pause on infrastructure there because um, we have the, the infrastructure gap pegged anywhere between 110 to 270 billion with a B. Mm -hmm. um, what What's driving that? And I, and I guess the follow-up would be not how, but can we use this moment to overcome that gap? Yeah, so this is something that um, happens all the time is that in our politics, there's a lot of short-termism. <laughs> and, 
And so we invested a ton of money <laughs> in the 50s. Uh, and then we basically said, you know, uh, we're, we're not going to need to spend a dollar on this. And then it crumbles, you know. So at one point you ended up, you look, at, you look around and you're like, wow, there's a lot of infrastructure that need to be rebuilt. And obviously with climate change, it's a whole new debate, all new dimension, uh, making buildings more efficient, making sure that it's climate resilient, all that stuff. Um, but, but unfortunately, we've lagged in investments. And I think uh, since I have to give credit to Mr. Harper, I think at the end, he put a lot of money in infrastructure and obviously the Trudeau government ran partly on getting more money and we did, but implementation is, is an issue in Canada. Uh, so we have, to, we have to keep at it uh, because we're not there yet. Um, another big you know, challenge that has been there forever is uh, how provinces trade with each other. We complain about Trump's tariffs, but we have tariffs between provinces. So uh, that's pretty easy fix when you think about it, uh, removing these barriers from province to another so that we can realize our economic potential as a country. I think we should do that. And linked to that, there's some regulatory burden in Canada that is well known. Uh, the example I always give is a construction permit uh, in the OECD measurement, we're 34th uh, uh, in order to someone to get something going on the construction site. Uh, it's very slow. So the, it's just an example, but this is something that can be fixed. Um, and unfortunately, we have not, uh, you know, we have not addressed it. Lastly, Alex, I'll be short on that, is uh, our taxation system. Right. You know, um, taxes are important. They need to be paid. Otherwise, uh, we don't get to do anything in government. Uh, but you always compete with someone else. Capital is mobile. And so if you impose uh, too much on income, for example, uh, it creates problem on the competitiveness le level. Same thing with corporate um, so what we're what we're suggesting here is uh, not to raise taxes when the economy is not doing well. That would not be a good idea. <laughs> I, I and and I gotta say too, like you know, politically that 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 sounds about right too. Yeah, I think it would be hard too for any party to run on increases taxes, um, and obviously. Tax evasion is something that needs to be addressed. And there's there's some of that, and there's a process at the G20. I dealt with that when I was at finance. That is super important. But, um, you know, overall, you have to keep your taxes competitive, I would say. Yeah. Um, one of the, I, I want to talk about your 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 last section on, on sort of ideas. And, My favorite. Um, Yes. Well, I, I know it, it was it was central to a lot of your uh, sort of the intangibles economy and the work that you did at PPF. But one of the things that you mentioned, um, you, you, you did evoke President Trump. We, we should say that we are recording this literally the day before the U.S. election. But I, I think I raised that not to like, you know, timestamp this as a as a fossil of a conversation, but actually to sort of 
bring up the fact that one of the things that I like about your report is that it, it it's kind of agnostic about, um, you know, shifting these problems and these opportunities onto a geopolitical uh, balance, right? These are sort of like, no, these are our problems. Like they're, they're, they are ours. We own them. Like, you know, we need to deal with them regardless of who the president is or not. And I'm curious how you, um, whether that was intentional. Yeah, no, I think that's really important what you just said, Alex. Um, We've become complacent in Canada first to rely too much on our U S partner and they've been a great partner, but we all uh, read what's going on. And the reality is that the United States has become a more protectionist country and is going to uh, wage a very uh, intense technological war with China, which will have consequences on Canada. And and also most countries, most industrialized countries, will be much more inward-looking as a consequence. They will need to look at their own interests so that's the kind of a key anchor I, I feel that has been threatened. Um, and, and the second is <clears throat> uh, the world is just more or less stable. <laughs> it's more tricky. Um, the, the, geopolit- the new geopolitics makes it uh, tricky for Canada that is used to be relying on a kind of multilateral stable framework, right? The UN, NATO, WTO, all these institutions are shaky right now. They're shaky because, you know, the United States uh, has kind of left them on the side. And also because most countries are looking at their own interests. And and so it's kind of a wake-up moment for Canada, I think, to kind of take our own affairs more seriously. And that growth will not just come from natural resources as it was before, you know. So it leads me really to my third kind of building block, which is ideas. I spoke about how human capital is a strength for Canada, but I think the the most successful countries going forward, and we have every reason to be one of those, is uh, human intellectual capital will be the basis of successful economies. And what we need to be doing uh, better, Alex, is not just be good at research, but getting much better at getting ideas to markets and produce products and services out of, of those ideas, as opposed to just like leaving foreign firms and other countries take the benefits of that. So we have to become much more intentional about how we leverage our ideas, patents, intellectual property, and I've been written extensively. People are tired of listening to me talking about this, but I feel I feel it's kind of really key to our success going forward. So I, I hope and I know that uh, a lot of people share that. I uh, It's good to have a strong personal brand and you could do worse than advocating <laughs> for <laughs> increased vibrancy in, in our idea space and, and making the most of, you know, what we produce here. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll end with this. And I think that it's, um, it, it, it veers on, uh, I think a problematic framing of thinking that one idea yes. can, can fix us all, which of course it can't, but, but maybe I'll phrase it in, in this way. Um, you know, you've laid a really comprehensive plan. You have, uh, sort of direct knowledge of how, 
these uh, ideas move and shift and work their way through our systems. And you also know the, the, the opportunities that, that exist for our policymakers in times of crisis. So no one single idea can, can solve the problem. But if you're in government, if, if, if you do go back, right, if you're in government tomorrow and you've got some levers to pull, which one are you pulling first? Where are you starting? Yeah, I'll, I'll say two, three things. First is we have to be more focused on the long-term growth of uh, agenda. Uh, each government is, is guilty of this, but the day-to-day kind of crisis firefighting stuff uh, gets a you know, gets problematic at one point because government keep doing the short-term stuff to get reelected and don't do the important long, long-term stuff. And every, everyone's guilty of this. Um, the, the second is, <clears throat> this is not, as you said, one silver bullet or one budget or one decision. This, this needs to be done over time and time and be, just have a comprehensive focus on these long-term items. And Canada can do this. Uh, we've done it in the past. Um, and there's some stuff that I think when you compare it to the United States, we're much less paralyzed as a country that enable us to move to a kind of a more consensual growth agenda. Um, and the third uh, thing I'll say is um, it's time for a few big bets. You know, Canadian government... And I think this is who we are as Canadians. We're very incremental in the way we think about things. We're we're we're, we're not we're not always sure about making bold moves or taking big risk. But if what, what is the what's the what's the adage? It's the um, uh, process is progress. Yes, yeah, that is that's where we live. That's our nice comfortable lane. Yes. Yeah. So so Canada needs to be more intentional. I keep repeating that word, uh, but let's not think that things will be okay. Let's start from a position of danger, of obstacles, of challenges, and just challenge ourselves to be a bit more aggressive about how we think about public policy, a bit more strategic also. And as I said, there's not one country, uh, there's not one other country I would bet, uh, you know, that Canada can be the most successful country if it wants to be, but this, these things don't happen by themselves. You need to kind of marshal your way into it. And so I'm just hoping that there'll be a sense of ambition, uh, a bit long-term planning, and a, a, terms, a sense of boldness going forward. And uh, I realize everything I just said is much, much easier said when you're in my position now, you know. <laughs> well, but you know what? I mean, this is part of the reason why we're doing this this um, this series and why we do the work that we do at Canada 2020. It's because I think we have a general sense that in this moment of crisis, when that firefighting is happening, you know, in your simple budget of how you manage your time during a day, there actually isn't a lot of room for thinking about, you know, the big transformational stuff coming down the line. We would love to think that that is the case, but people are people, right? And our institutions are our institutions. And so the goal is to actually, you know, use our convening function and, and, um, 
uh, you know, do some of that work on the outside and find, uh, in hope that it finds its way, way in. So, uh, to that, I'd say, thank you very much for spending some time with me and for writing this report. Um, if people want to learn more about the work that the business council of Canada is doing and that you were doing, um, where can they do that? Well, they can go on our website. The report is there. It's called powering a recovery and, uh, you can engage with us. I mean, it's important business leaders are uh, very proactive in the way they think about the recovery this is we need to pull all together and work with everyone to uh, to get going on a recovery and i think you know a mistake we could do is just focus too much on the pandemic i know people are stressed right now families are under incredible pressure but we need to we need to think about how do we want to come out of this and for policymakers, especially, every country is doing this. They're they're making these bets about the future. And so, if we don't, our competitors will just uh, be better positioned than than we will be. So we can't stop there. That's a good note to end it on. Robert Aslan, uh, Senior Vice President at the Business Council of Canada. Thank you very much for joining us on another episode of Crisis to Resilience. And uh, we will. Uh, I know you and I will be in touch, and we'll have you again on 2020 again soon. Merci, Alex. It was really fun. Thanks very much for listening. Today's episode was produced by Mira Ahmad with technical assistance from Carolyn Smith. Crisis to Resilience is part of the 2020 Network presented by Interac, which is a production of Canada 2020, Canada's leading independent progressive think tank. On our next episode, I'll be moderating a panel discussion with Simon Kennedy, the Deputy Minister of Innovation, Science and Economic Development, focused on keeping Canada connected. See you next Thursday.